0: This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm. It's the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler. Thank you for showing up this week. And this week, we have uh, an interview, or not an interview, a conversation with a narcissist abuse survivor named Jennifer. Uh, it was a, a great conversation, a lot to do with uh, co-parenting with a narcissist. Uh, so it's not just her story. It's how she uh, deals with the aftermath, uh, the co-parenting, lawyers, and everything under the sun. So whoever uh, is listening and is in the same situation, hopefully this episode will be helpful. I, I learned a lot about that process from her. And uh, so without further ado, we're just going to get into that part of the podcast right now. So, thank you everyone for uh, joining us today. Uh, We have a narcissist abuse survivor with us named Jennifer. How are you doing today, Jennifer?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I am good. And today we're going to discuss uh, your story Mm -hmm. and uh, your relationship with a a narcissist, uh, your marriage to a narcissist, Mm -hmm. uh, what it was like to co parent with a narcissist or still co-parent with a narcissist. And yeah. before that, just for everyone's uh, knowledge on the situation, I've, I've talked with Jennifer beforehand and you were a child of two codependent uh, parents, correct? Yes. And uh, just so everyone knows, uh, you do have codependent uh, tendencies.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: And uh, w- growing up, you felt like you were walking on eggshell type uh, environment, correct? Very much so. So now I, I got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to for everyone to... So we didn't have to kind of go backwards for everyone who's listening. Um, that sometime, you know, when you're going into a relationship with a narcissist, usually there's a codependent personality or an empathetic person uh, that's involved. And that was your type of personality. And maybe did you know, um, did you know that going in?
1: No, I had uh, no idea until I had left. Until, I oh, had so...
0: There. Okay, so I'm going to now stop myself. <laughs> tell us your story from the beginning. Go.
1: Um, I met my ex-husband on a cruise, um, and my initial thought towards him was, this guy's an, an ass. <laughs> I was not a fan, um, and he had a girlfriend at the time, and when I had found out, I was like, okay cool. It was nice to meet you. Bye. Um, we found each other on Facebook and we didn't really talk to each other until like nine months later. Um, and then we started dating. We went on a date and I decided I didn't want to continue to date him. And then eventually we continued dating and we got married. Um, I, as I've mentioned before, I had no idea that he was a narcissist. Um, I didn't until I left him. Um, So everything that I had experienced with him, I thought was normal um, because I thought by watching how my parents fought with each other and the screaming, the yelling, even the hitting, um, I thought that was normal. And so I just thought that you kind of just stuck that out um, as my parents did and continue to, to this day. Um, they're still married. They just don't fight like that anymore.
0: Okay. Um, so, uh, a couple questions. Uh, so mm-hmm. you, he, he was, uh, abusive towards you.
1: No. Okay. So not physically. Okay. Um, it, it was never, there was never any signs of, there was never physical abuse. I would have left him long before that. Um, it was definitely emotional, but it was, it was more of being groomed over the course of our nearly decade long relationship.
0: And so you were you felt you were groomed um before you started dating and that he was uh, probably discarding his uh his girlfriend from the previous relationship and looking for someone new?
1: Maybe. Um I mean, he was they were towards the end of their relationship. Um but I don't I don't know. Honestly, like sometimes it's just really hard for me to believe that he was this person before we met. Um and sometimes I feel like I made him who he is today. So, And I'll get to that as well.
0: So what kind of things did he do to, to woo you or to uh, convince you that he was uh, a normal person?
1: Well, he was, um, at that time, uh, we both lived in a major city in the United States. And he was a server at a restaurant. <clears throat> and so at that time I lived in a city about an hour North and because I had just graduated from college. And so he would take days and so he'd switch his shifts and he would just come see me. Um, and he bought me a puppy within the first three months of our relationship, um, bought me a a cute corgi for my birthday. Um, and he would just make things happen. You know, he would, he took me out to really nice all the nicest restaurants in the city, um, and would show me off and get all kinds of free drinks and free food because of who he knew in the industry. And that continued up until I gave birth to our son, uh, seven years later.
0: And, um, so now you have this dog, and you're mm-hmm. you, you you're like this, it's a way, I guess, of love bombing. Did, did he know that you like dogs?
1: Yeah, he knew that I wanted one. He okay. knew that I wanted Corgi, and so I found one online, um, and I came back from a cruise with my parents, and he had, he had her for me. Um, and throughout our entire relationship, he would always tell me when, not if, but when we divorced, that he would get her
0: and how 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 long into your relationship did he start saying that
1: um after we got married so within 3 years of being together
0: oh uh and did you think that was a joke or and or when did you start to realize that he was being serious
1: um i yeah i thought it was a joke i just thought it was how he talked because that's how his mom talks um his mom is also a She's even more of a narcissist, I believe, than he is. Um, And so she kind of talked talked like that, too. She always joked, like, every time he had broken up with a girl, she bought him a nice piece of clothing. Um, And so they always joked that whenever we broke up, he would get a closet full of clothes. Um, She also told me that she would take joy. She took joy in making his girlfriends cry. Um, and the, 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 <laughs> this,
0: this person sounds like the worst person in the whole entire world.
1: Yeah. And uh, those were red flags that I just didn't see because I just didn't, I thought it was normal. Oh, um, uh, because,
0: okay. Cause your relationship so, with your parents before.
1: Right. Yeah. So when she, when they talked like that, I didn't, I was like, Oh, ha ha ha. That's funny. Um, I didn't realize that those were huge red flags and the biggest red flag should have been the first thing he told me, which was my mom is my best friend. Um, I get that. I mean, I'm a mother of a boy, so I get that there's a strong mother-son bond, but theirs was unnatural and still is to this day.
0: Is it, uh, it's a very codependent. Is it very creepy?
1: Kind of. I mean, there's a, oh, there's a technical term for their narcissistic bond, um, but if you met them together, you would never know that he has an older brother. You would think that he was the only child.
0: Oh, uh, so, and where did the older brother fit into this equation? Was he the scapegoat?
1: No, he kind of, um, he escaped is the word. Uh, mm-hmm. he is the ha- he's a half brother and he was living in another state at the time. So I didn't really interact with him in, until he moved back. And especially towards the end of our marriage where I was begging and pleading for help.
0: Okay. And was he uh, a reasonable person or was he in their world?
1: Uh, he, he's, he was a reasonable person, but he also knew that uh, there was nothing he could do to help me. Okay. He, or he just didn't want to because he didn't want to make his mom mad. Because if you made her mad, then you're totally screwed and she will ruin your life.
0: Oh, like she, this is, this is not just, this person is a sociopath, her, the mom. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I didn't divorce just my husband. I also divorced his mother.
0: Okay. And so when did you know, um, when, well, when did the actual, uh, verbal, um, abuse begin and like the mental abuse begin?
1: Um, pretty within the first year we were together, um, we moved in together within six months of being a couple. Um, and he definitely threw the word bitch around quite frequently and it hurt. Uh, we went to therapy, um, and he backed off and apologized. Uh, but that never really stopped. Um, we fought a lot, mostly about, uh, how clean the house was, which sounds really, really trivial. But I, I mean, we lived in a 700 square foot apartment and he was just a very dirty person and I was always cleaning up after him. And his philosophy was, well, you make less money than I do. So you have to do the cleaning.
0: (laughs) Okay. That's bonkers, but yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Very antiquated. he, he was, um, I, I had worked for, um, a major, electronics company and I stood on my feet all day helping customers and uh I I worked my butt off but I was never seen as an equal because I didn't make nearly what he made and eventually uh like our our schedules never really matched um he eventually I encouraged him uh he I told him you know you've got to figure out where your career is going you can't be a server forever so he became a bartender and not only just a regular bartender, but he became the best and most well-known bartender in the city where instead of him just being mine, I had to share him with the entire city and the customers. Mm-hmm. So we, I'd work days, he'd work nights. We were, we never had the same schedule whatsoever. And at that time, like that really worked out for me because I still got to have my circle of friends. I still got to do my own thing. Um, and then eventually I worked for the same company as their PR person. And so, um, my job was to promote my husband and I was really, really good at it and he would win awards and get more recognition and it fed his ego and I fed his ego. I was his cheerleader and I was actually being paid to be his cheerleader. So our relationship at that time was great. Um, but we still fought over the house. I mean, eventually we bought a house, um, and each time I wanted a little piece of the American dream, it was hard for him. And he would tell me that I wasn't living in reality, um, and that not everyone gets a white picket fence. And really all I wanted was a house and a dog and a baby, you know, mm-hmm. and I would be demeaned for wanting these things. Um, and these things that I wanted, I worked for, I, I bought that house, I, you know, um, bought it in one of the hottest neighborhoods in the city. I worked out that, um, deal without a realtor. I did everything and he just sat and benefited from it. Um, but I never got any recognition unless it was praising him. And, um, I was, as I said, I was really good at that job and that was the best our relationship ever was. And then, um, I wanted a baby and that was just a like one time i thought i was pregnant and he made me feel like crap because i cried when i realized i wasn't um but then eventually uh he agreed to have a kid and that was because his mother was and i'm going to put this in air quotes dying of leukemia
0: okay well before, before what did he want or, That's did he, a or did he not question. want to know? Or he did he did not
1: know? He, I don't think he knew. Um, if I feel like everything that I wanted was definitely um, an argument with him. Like, he just... I don't know what he wanted other than to continue to be the best bartender in the city. Um, and eventually, I was just like, well, you've got to aspire to more. You, you don't want to be a 40-year-old bartender. You don't want to, like... You've got to think about your future. You don't have a 401K. You don't have insurance on your own. You're like, you're on me. You're on mine. Um, but he never really flat out said what he wanted to do until right before I gave birth. And then he decided that he wanted to be in charge of the beverage program at a hotel, which he eventually got. Okay. Okay. And then that's when things really went south.
0: And uh, so explain how that happened.
1: Oh, let's see. Our son was about six months old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he got a job at a new hotel in downtown as the beverage director. Now, keep in mind the word director. When you think of that word, you think of somebody who hire, fire, train, um, creates the cocktails, does inventory, and just makes the place autonomous for when he's not there. That was not the case, apparently. Um, The moment he got that job was the moment he disappeared. And I was raising our son by myself. And um, I was working a full-time job, uh, taking care of the house, the dogs, the cats, the child, Uh, he was gone for 90 plus hours a week. Um, and it was uh, now granted, like I'll give it to him. They were opening up this hotel with these six restaurants and bars in it. So it's quite, quite a lot, but you've also got to set boundaries. And at that time I didn't realize what else was going on, which was, he was having an affair. Mm -hmm. Um, so with a coworker who I had met briefly and just in, in, with my intuition, I just knew. I just pushed it away. Um, but he just disappeared completely. And the more I tried to get him to talk about it, to come home, the further he pushed away. Um, and the more he made it out to be my fault. Um, his main complaint was we couldn't talk about work, which that was his identity. His job was his identity. Mm-hmm. There was nothing beyond that job that he was like he's as deep as a kiddie pool so (laughs) he just couldn't like he if he didn't have his job he wasn't anything and he was all about his appearance Mm -hmm. Um,
0: as well probably as his mom and maybe his mom also put pressure on him to show his appearances his whole entire life
1: yes yes very much so when we had met he was really into wearing fedoras.
0: Oh God. Yeah. I know. I know. Big red flag. <laughs> hold slides. on. Hold on. I that's know. that's fedorable.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Well, in the, in the scene, in the city that we lived in, that's what bartenders wore. Okay. And then it became the hipster mustache. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, okay. It's okay. He's, then, he's on, the, he's on the trends.
1: He's on the trends. And yeah. a lot of that was, I encouraged him as well. I was like, You'd look really good if you cut your hair like Justin Timberlake. You should do it. And so he did. And so then that became his thing. And now I think his thing is lapel pins.
0: So was he easily impressionable uh, if you thought there was an idea for him to look cool and you reinforced that? He would do yeah. that?
1: Yes. But if it came to making suggestions outside of that, um, he didn't listen to me. He only listened to other people.
0: So a suggestions in the sense of, uh, how to, uh, be a better per- <laughs> be a better person.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So,
0: so he didn't want to hear to Oh, he only needed to know the surface level things of how to improve. Right. Okay.
1: Right. But if it was anything else, uh, like I think I had told him years and years ago, because I also work in digital marketing, I was like, you really need to up your social media presence. It's really going to help you. And he didn't listen to me. And then somebody told him six months ago to do that. And now he's all over it. And when I addressed it, he was like, well, I didn't want to listen to you at the time. So it just, for him, it took somebody else saying something that I had already said for him to actually care.
0: So, he, did he, so is his emotional uh, IQ of that of a 15-year-old?
1: Yeah. If it's not about him, he doesn't care.
0: Okay. So you're, uh, he's now has an affair. You're at home with Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. You're extremely frustrated, angry, Mm -hmm. sad. Um,
1: I'm, I was battling postpartum depression at the time, uh, which is something that he also would not acknowledge as a problem.
0: Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, how did you uh, deal with that? Like, did you have friends Uh, or family help you?
1: Yeah. Well, I went to the doctor, uh, when one of my friends, talked to me about it. And I got on meds. Um, and then I got off them, which was stupid. Um, cause I thought it was fine. And then all of a sudden my husband disappeared, you know, and I thought, I thought he was doing cocaine again, which was something that he was addicted to before we started dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought of an affair. I had reached out to him multiple times, like, Hey, are you cheating on me with that girl you work with? And he would say no. Uh, But it also got to the point where everyone in the industry knew something was going on. I was having people in the industry approach me and tell them, tell me that they were seeing them in too close for comfort and at public places. Um, I had people I went to college with who saw them. I had people I went to church with who saw them Mm -hmm. and every and let me put this, put it this way. I went to church because I started going to church and I started going to therapy because he had convinced me that everything was my fault. It was my fault that we weren't working out. It was my fault that I wanted him to be home more, that I didn't understand what his job was. Um, I don't like, he he just put it in very plain terms of, you just don't understand how the business works. You know, and we lived four miles away from his job, and he was—he had told me, you know, I—I I can't stay at the hotel when staff is not allowed to. But yet, he would tell me, "Oh, I'm going to stay overnight. They have a room for me. I have to be at work really early the next morning." We live four miles away. Like there's, there's no excuse, and I just didn't think about it. I just took him for his word, and so every time someone would tell me that they saw him with this girl. I would text him or call him and he would immediately call me back and deny it. Um, make me like I'm crazy, but you know, I, I up into like, even today I still hear about it like, Oh yeah. Last January or whenever I saw him with her and this was happening, you know, Did, like how, how, much does that,
0: how much does that bother you that people still bring that up?
1: Not as much. I mean, I've kind of come to terms with it. Um, what bothered me the most was going out in the city and seeing the looks on their faces of the people who witnessed it.
0: Uh, okay, okay. Cause every, cause he was so popular in that kind of scene that no yes. matter, no matter where you went in that specific scene, everyone knew. And for a while you didn't know, mm-hmm. but now that you do know, now you can yeah. see their faces and you know, exactly. They don't have to say a word.
1: Yeah. So do I you, mean, did you feel gotten, sorry? Continue. Oh, no, I've gotten free food and drinks because of it, you know, like... (laughs) A
0: a small consolation prize.
1: small... Yeah. He's not... He's liked in the industry, but only on a surface level. Um, But since our divorce, I've heard a lot of people tell me the truth. You know, like, the only reason why we liked him was because of you.
0: Okay. And Mm -hmm. uh, I guess once you really came out of the denial of the situation... not that I guess not denial, but... Um, where you realize this isn't my fault, even though you were thinking that, did you have a lot of uh, guilt or shame that it went on for so long?
1: Yeah, I mean, I still deal with a lot. I fought really hard to not lose that marriage. Um, I, as I said, I went to therapy. He went to therapy a grand total of three times to his mom's friend, who was a therapist that she befriended when she was in therapy and was told not to come back. The therapist said, according to his mother, who probably was, I I can't take anything she says for truth because she lied and manipulated me into staying in that situation longer than I should have been so she could see her grandson whenever she wanted.
0: Oh, so that was the reason. So, so, yeah, her role... Um, she's just trying to, uh, maneuver things Mm -hmm. for her own cause she wants to see her grandson.
1: Yeah. I think that she knew what was going on and she was covering it up.
0: So she, would Uh, she ever cover stories for him? Like, like a full. Okay.
1: Well, she, she told me that she had him tested for drugs and he failed or not. He failed. Sorry. He passed. Um, she told me that she sent someone to follow him. And to talk to the girl at his job to see if she was having an affair.
0: Do you believe any of it?
1: I believed it at the time, and now I do not. Okay. What what mother would do that?
0: (laughs) Only uh, only a mother who actually uh, cared about you, over him.
1: Right. Well, I don't, I, I really don't think she was telling the truth. Just like, I'm not sure I believe that she's really sick. I know she's sick, but she, I mean, she told me on my birthday a couple of years ago that she was going to die in six months and, but yet yeah, would never let us go to the hospital to take care of her or to help her with any of her medical stuff. Like she wouldn't let any of us be a part of it. Um, but she, it was, it was just, it was really, Hard. And the moment that I decided I got to move in with my parents, I can't be here anymore, was the moment she flipped. And so I would tell, I would talk to her and I'd be like, you know, you've got to really, you've got to help us. Like, if we don't work out, I've got to move back home and you're going to see your sonless, not your son, your grandson. And she, instead of saying, like, yes, let me help you, I'll talk to him, I'll, we'll do whatever we can, she took it as a threat and told me to stop threatening her and then would call my ex-husband and make me out to be a crazy person.
0: At that point, um, I guess when, when something like that happened and it was threatening, at that point, did you realize, okay, I have to uh, be defensive and maybe record some of these things? Or were you still just, uh, this is par for the course, and I'm kind of going along with it?
1: It was, it was more of the latter. Um, I just kind of, when I moved back in with my parents, I just kind of, I would, I reached out to her a lot just to, cause I mean, she, you know, she's her son's best friend, you know, I'm just like, please help me, please help me. I don't want to get a divorce. I don't want to lose time with my son. I don't want to watch my family fall apart. Like I worked so hard to build this life and now it's falling apart. And you know, it was almost instant- instantaneous when he started that job that he stopped loving. He stopped caring. And I just didn't understand what I did wrong, and.
0: Well, you did nothing wrong.
1: I did. I did nothing wrong, yeah. but in his eyes, like I stopped being his cheerleader. You know, I my son became my priority, not him. Um, but then he had also met this girl who I didn't know about until after the divorce. Like I didn't get confirmation until the divorce.
0: And she was probably uh, feeding his ego.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: Yeah. And he was like, oh, this person's feeding my ego and I'm their number one priority. I'm hanging out with this person now and Mm -hmm. I'll use my job as an excuse to do that uh, without being around people that are going to make me uh, clean. Like how much much did he do in raising or like helping out? um, You know, did he change diapers and things like that?
1: Uh, He did in the beginning. um, He had more time at home. Uh, kind of. Um, but then once he started at his new job, it was all me. It was all me. And it was incredibly hard and frustrating. And we couldn't even see each other without fighting about it, you know? Um, and uh, he, even to this day, he still denies an affair, but he'll say in the same breath, well, you drove me to her because you wouldn't talk about work. So, um,
0: Oh, so sorry. He, he said that you wouldn't talk about work.
1: Right. I didn't, I wouldn't talk about it in the light that he wanted to, which was this is what I did today. And this is what I did. And I mean, I would chime in and be like, you shouldn't be bar. You shouldn't be tending bar. There's no reason a director should be tending bar. There's no reason that you should be closing the bar at 4am. You should be home. Like you're the director. The director doesn't do that you shouldn't be doing any of this stuff. That's not what you do. And then he would tell me like, no, you don't know what I do. You don't understand it. And I'm just like, well, I've worked for a major corporation before and I've had a director and that's definitely what a director is supposed to do. Um, So do you you
0: believe that he was even bartending now?
1: (sighs) I think that he probably was because he still does. Okay. Okay. Um, usually when somebody quits or calls in or just doesn't show up. Um, but at that time, like he's a, he's a control freak when it comes to his bars. And he's also very vindictive. So if you're an employee and you piss him off, he's going to ruin your life. And he's told me that on many occasions. Um, but I believe he was tending bar. And I believe that he was also conducting an affair because they worked together, and she also happened to live in downtown
0: okay mm-hmm. so what was the straw that broke the camel's back for you
1: Oh, well,
0: was there like an event yes, okay,
1: yes, go for um, it, go for it yeah it's it's a big one um so for six months straight, I probably cried at work every day. I left work a lot um to work from home because I was very emotional. And thankfully, at that time, I had a job that got it. Um, I definitely wasn't healthy mentally or physically. I was starving myself. Um, Not purposefully, but just I didn't have an appetite. Mm -hmm. So I lost a lot of weight very quickly. Um, And, I mean, I still hadn't really done much for my postpartum. So, uh, one day we were fighting on the phone and I decided to work from home and I decided to work from the house that we, that we had shared as opposed to my parents, because my son was over there. My son was in the city and I lived in the suburbs, with my parents, which was 20 minutes, 30 minutes away, depending on traffic. So my son was still in daycare there because he had convinced me that he wanted to be close to him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was like, okay, well, I know he's not at the house, so I'm going to go work from the house and then pick up our son and then go home. I get to the house and it is a wreck. And keep in mind, my son had stayed there the night before. Um, It looked as if somebody with a meth addiction had lived there. It was just disgusting. And we had two dogs and a cat. So there was dog poop everywhere. Um, It was just a a mess, dishes in the the sink. It smelled. Um, I was like, okay, well, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to use the one in our bedroom, so I'm going to go to the extra one. And I went into the bed or bathroom and opened the toilet lid, and the toilet is completely full of shit. Oh, and not, and it's molded.
0: What is it? What? Okay, I'm not going to even ask. Just continue. This it was it was
1: dog it was dog poo. Ah. Oh. Um, Anyway, so I took a video of the entire thing. I still have it to this day. Um, I took a video, and I just, in that moment, I realized that nothing was going to change. You know, I was still going to be the one responsible for this house, responsible for this life, for my son, for my dogs, for my cat. Everything would still be on my shoulders, and that's not how it should go. Um He wasn't ever, he was always, he he would tell me like, you need to give this job a year and then maybe it'll get better. And I'm like, no, like I need you to be present now. And it shouldn't take a year. And we we both know what's going to happen in a year is you're still going to be going in at all hours of the night. If somebody quits, if there's a fight, if there's, I mean, this hotel is like a horrible Las Vegas hotel. Like it's just full of really seedy, people who want to see and be seen and which is a place that he happens to thrive in.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, one time I went there and people were cheering his name, you know, um, just because
0: you got a lot of probably like uh, a lot of probably alcoholics, uh, drug addicts, Yes, and the, the, all they want is that party to continue, and you to be right. down, and you to be down there with them. And they were, and he was probably, you know, even though he might have been clean, cleaner than them, uh, he was their hero, I guess, in a way.
1: Right. I mean, it, you're always friends with the person that gives you free drinks.
0: Yes, but, yes. And
1: I told them that frequently. I was like, "They're not your friends. They're not. They're just hangers-on. They're not there for you when it really matters. They just follow you from bar to bar because they want booze." And he would just yell at me and tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and anyway, so the house was a mess, and I called him and I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. This isn't gonna work. We should get a divorce. And he had the gall to say, well, just give it to the end of the day. Think about it. And I was like, No, I'm not gonna think about it because it's this is this I came home to this house. Our son stayed here last night. How the hell would you, like, had I called CPS, they would have taken my son away from us. You know? Like, how, I put my son in danger. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I'd had enough. So the next day, I went to the lawyer. I filed for divorce. I took him out of daycare and put him in a new one. Grabbed my dogs and my cat and all my stuff I could fit in my car. And then at the end of the day, I told him I filed for divorce. We're done. Um...
0: So for people out there um, who are in these types of relationships who are afraid of filing for divorce or don't know what to do, uh, can you maybe explain uh, the lawyer, uh, like uh, how the lawyer aspect of everything worked and what you kind of had to do?
1: Um, well, definitely get yourself a lawyer. Who cares? Uh, I didn't. I got a lawyer that was conveniently located to near my work. Um I would definitely try to find a lawyer who deals with this kind of stuff. A family lawyer, definitely somebody with the word family in their title, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, there are divorce lawyers everywhere, but there are some lawyers who actually just get it. They've dealt with this enough. Um, but you file and then they have to, I mean, it's up to you, but I, I wanted them to serve him specifically at work. Uh, that didn't happen. They just kind of stuck the papers to the front door. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't tell him until I had filed. Like, I, until I had made sure that I was safe, my son was safe. And the reason why I pulled my son out of that daycare wasn't because of him. It was because of his mother, who had the right to go pick him up from that daycare. And I was so afraid she was going to take my son from me.
0: Why did she have the right?
1: Um, he had put her on the paperwork to pick him up whenever she wanted. Okay. So, um, I, I could take her off, but he could still put her back on.
0: Ah, okay. I see. Mm -hmm.
1: So I wanted to put him, my son in a daycare where my ex-husband had, didn't have that ability until we had talked everything out. Okay. Um, but it, uh, it took about six months for the divorce to be final. And I would suggest to anybody who's going through a divorce, specifically if you have kids, to ask for everything you want and leave no stone unturned. If you want a morality clause in which both you and your ex can't have a member of the opposite sex or same sex, I mean, it, it depends on how it's written, Over while your kids are there overnight, put that, put that in your divorce degree. Do it.
0: Oh, yeah. Like I, this is why I wanted to, to talk to you today. Uh, because I don't have children. Um, I don't have, uh, any, I've never been in this situation. And I've always, uh, one of the things uh, I always wondered, especially because my my brother, um, who's a narcissist, when he got divorced and with children with, uh, and he had two children. Mm -hmm. Um, the one thing I always said, I'm like, uh, his ex-wife chose my brother, um, and my brother is also doesn't make great choices. As an uncle to these children, I said to myself, "How can we put can we put somewhere in here that like no one's allowed to have someone stay over at all until both people make better choices?" But we had, I didn't have to worry that, about that because eventually my brother's wife finally she understood like what she was dealing with, and I felt uh-huh. horrible after that. She she just didn't realize like just like you that this my brother was just. Uh, uh, terrible. And, um, uh, so, sorry. So back to your morality choice.
1: Yeah. Morality clause. Just have that in there, but keep, keep in mind that both of you have to do it. Not just one of you. Mm -hmm. Um, also something that I wish I would have put was something about social media. My ex is still with the mistress as I refer to her. Mm -hmm. Um, they've been off and on since, let's see, our divorce went final in October. He told me in November and that's when I called him and I let him have it, you know, like I was right. We're having an affair and some choice words. Um, you know, all that anger that I had been holding inside cause I didn't want to make a bad move and then lose my child as a result.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Once I knew it was safe, uh, and the divorce was final. I just, you know, verbalized all of the anger that I had towards him. And, um, of course, he denies it. Um, he still denies he, it? He still denies it, yes. Uh, wow. But as I said, in the same breath, he says, but you drove me to her. Um, but they've been on and off. They they tend to get together around holidays, so they were together for Thanksgiving and Christmas. They broke up, got back together for Valentine's Day, broke up, got together for Easter, still together. Now they're official, official. You, um, is, I,
0: is there any comfort to know that... Um, when in regards to her that she's just going to experience the exact same thing you did that like to not, I yeah. guess, you know what I mean? Just to not be like angry at her. Like she- it's
1: really hard. I am very angry at her, um, because I knew her.
0: Oh, um, okay.
1: Because I looked at her in the eyes and she held my child Ugh. when he was a baby, yeah. you know, when he was a wee baby. Um, so it's just, I have a lot of anger towards her because I knew her. It would be different if I I didn't know her. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: she's held your child. That's all you had to say.
1: Yeah. She's mm-hmm. held my baby. Yeah. And she's seen me and my husband be a, like, we went to company parties together, you know, like she's seen us as a unit and still chose to do what she did. And I'd hate I hate pointing the finger and being like you're a narcissist you're a narcissist you're a narcissist but she's a narcissist too. Mm-hmm. She is very surface level. She is very selfie conscious. Um, she only talks about things that sparkle and pink glitter and champagne.
0: So they deserve each other.
1: They are. She is the female <laughs> version of him. Okay.
0: And so now you come to, you're divorced. How (laughs) tough is co-parenting?
1: It is non-existent. Explain that. So his version of co-parenting is, he literally asked me if we could go on vacation together.
0: That sounds like hell.
1: Yeah, I was like, no, you don't get you don't get that benefit of being a family and not be a family. Like that's not how this works. Um, He want, he thinks that co-parenting is going out to eat together, showing a united front for the child. And I've had to school him multiple times on, no, that's not how this goes. Co-parenting is consistency across both households. Like bedtime is at eight, no candy, you know, do your homework before you go out and play whenever he's old enough. You know, like it's right now he's potty training and that's already hell because any anything I tell this man, he doesn't hear it. It goes in one ear and out the other unless it concerns him. So we use this app and this is an app that I highly recommend to anybody who is co-parenting or just par- parallel parenting with a narcissist. It's called Talking Parents. mm mm-hmm. And it's like four ninety nine dollars a month. And it, it ha- both parents have to be on it. But it documents every single conversation. You can have a calendar on there. You can even have a lawyer on there to view everything. Everything in it, it makes it nice and submissible to court if you need it. And it holds the narcissist accountable. And it keeps them from lashing out on you. Um,
0: it, did you have to get some sort of uh mediator or anyone in between you to help with the co-parenting plan to begin with, or uh, was this all on you and you did this all by yourself? You figured it all the on your own.
1: It's all on me. Okay. Um, I discovered a subreddit called narcissist abuse and it changed my life.
0: I'm on that all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. a, re, first of all, Reddit is fantastic uh, for yes. all of these things.
1: Reddit has helped. It showed me that app. It's, shown me what, I didn't know what gray rocking was. I didn't, I mean, obviously I can't go no contact with this man. Mm -hmm. We are raising a child together, but I blocked him. I I blocked his mother. Um, I have her on video telling my son that his mom's a bitch. And so from that moment on, I was like, we are done skis. We, you cannot call me. You cannot email me. You can't text me. You can't find me on social. So she sent a letter to my work. But, yeah, and uh, so it's the same thing with my ex is you're blocked on my social. I monitor his social, which is both a good and bad thing. It hurts my heart to see my son with that woman. And I've asked my ex multiple times, like, please don't let her post about our son. And he refuses to... Uh, think it's a bad thing, especially when their accounts are public. You can literally go to a website and download videos of my son because their accounts are public,
0: and they just put them on everything.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Is, is there anything you can? You're like legally, you're allowed to do, or no?
1: No, I didn't put it in the decree, and, and I don't have the money to go change oh. it.
0: Uh, and so, the grandmother though is still part of his life as well of your son's yes. life.
1: Yes. Um, I don't know into as in what capacity. I'm sure he sees her frequently enough. Um, but, you know, there's things that I have to just let go of, and it's really hard. And she is one of them. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm going through letting go of the fact that this woman who, I don't want to say broke up a marriage because it takes two people, but this woman who came in, and took my life. She sleeps in my bed. She sleeps in my house. That was all my stuff. And now she has my ex-husband, and she has my baby. On the days that my ex has the has our son, and so seeing images of my son with her on social media really hurts. Um, and just last week, we had my ex and I had an argument via the Talking Parents app, where in which I did not win where I asked him, you know, please stop. Please don't let her do it. And so then the moment they had him again, they both posted the same photo of all of them together.
0: So you think they did that on purpose? Yes. So you're being re-traumatized every day.
1: Yes, as long as, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, and the art of letting go is, is so
0: hard. It, I it, to, to me, this, it seems, uh, if this is happening every single day, it's impossible to go no contact in a way mm-hmm. there he's using your child as a weapon mm-hmm. against you. Um, it's, it, to me, uh, I, I, that would be almost impossible to get over with, get over or uh, not be triggered by every single day. Uh, how do you deal with this? How does your, I guess, therapist help you deal with it? And what other things, uh, or tools are at your disposal to do?
1: Um, Reddit, as I said, helps a lot. I post a lot. Um, instead of reacting, I respond. Mm -hmm. And so if I react, I react on Reddit.
0: Okay. So you go to Reddit, it's kind of like you type out a whole entire rant. Yes. And then... Uh, the people on Reddit uh, either help you give you answers Uh and uh, you get that out of your system and then you go back with maybe uh, a a plan from whatever people said and you take like the little best parts and you come back with like, here's your spiel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is what I do. My therapist, she's just, every time I talk to her, she seems overwhelmed with the bullshit that I have to deal with. But she says a lot of it is mine because I choose to look at their social, you know, and it's more me. It's not me trying to be controlling as my ex sees it. My ex even told me, you need to give your boyfriend a chance. And I'm like, dude, this isn't about you. This is about our son. That is why I look at your crap is I want to know what I'm dealing with when I get my son back. You know, what am I going to have to deprogram him from? Um, So it's more like he's like, Still thinks that I'm in love with him, which no, like that that woman can have him. She can keep him. I don't want that mess anymore. It's hard for me to see her as a victim right now because of how smug she is about all of this. But they're they're I mean, trying to
0: make you out to be the crazy one.
1: Yeah, they're tr- yeah, yes, they are.
0: They're trying to make you out to be the reason why there was a divorce. That you were uh, always wanted stuff. That everything was all about you, and now you're acting crazy because you're not letting them live their lives, and you're still in love with this person. Right, and uh, it's it's terrifying. Yeah, Uh, it really is because all you want is like the best for your child. My son is my priority. Yes, exactly.
1: And so the things that I do, I do for him. What I mean, he has. There, I have friends who never post pictures of their children on social. You know, because they want their kid to make that decision. And I I, I love showing off my son, but my stuff is on lockdown. You can't get to it unless I let you get to it. And so the fact that anybody can get on that and do whatever and see these photos and download these videos of my son, like, it drives me bonkers. And, like, yesterday I was taking my son to see his dad, and he started saying the mistress's name. And my son's two and a half and that just broke my heart to pieces. And I can't do anything like I'm not going to react. I'm not going to feed into that. I don't want my son to continue to say her name, but I also don't want to be a bad parent and tell him, no, you know, he's two and a half. All he knows is love.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. So I'm not going to teach him hate. I'm not going to teach him to feel stigmatized because he said her name. But it's just, that's, I mean, my just talking it out helps more than anything. And so between my therapist and Reddit and my friends, it's really helpful. I have a boyfriend now who is the most mentally and emotionally healthy man I've ever been with. Mm-hmm. And so he helps me out. He understands that this kind of healing takes time. And like yesterday, I probably spent most of the day in bed in tears crying because... My son was with someone else. You know, he wasn't with his mommy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, and that happens to me every couple of months where my heart just can't take it anymore and I just need, I need a break. I just need to, to cry, a good cry. Um, I feel very helpless. I, I have no control and it's not that I'm a control freak, but not being able to have control over this child that is mine it's really, really hard.
0: Well, it's just the, the, so hard. just you're a mom, though. You know, you want yeah. this, this, the safety of your child is your number one priority. Mm-hmm. And when uh, he's now in the hands of someone who, without anyone else being there, seems like he can't even take care of himself, right? Um, is a scary thing that that person, um, without another human being there, would probably uh, live in dirt. Mm -hmm. and uh, maybe not even remember to eat, you know, things like that. I mean, when you got your dog originally, was he helpful with the dog?
1: No. Yeah,
0: yeah, Um, Yeah. exactly. Because that dog, in a way to him, was probably, it's not human, Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't have to care for it as much and things like that. Someone else will do it.
1: He still, he has her. I have our male corgi, um, and she's neglected. She's fat now she my mom refuses to pet her because she needs a bath so bad she's alone all day. I mean it got to the point where her nails were so long, and I was like, "You need to cut her nails and he lied he flat out bold faced lied to me and was like, "Oh, I'm taking her to the to the salon tomorrow and then I come back the next week, and there's no difference and then I call him out on it, and he tells me i'm he literally says, "You're crazy, so it's like and then tells me I'm controlling and I'm just like, I'm just trying to like, like she needs her nails cut. That hurts her. You know, it's just making any suggestion puts me as being a control, a controlling bitch ex-wife.
0: Is there part of mm-hmm. you that hopes that he screws up mm-hmm. in some sort of way that gives you leverage to get a full custody? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There it's, well, it's more like instead of him screwing up, cause I don't want that to ever happen. Yes. Gun, yeah. Um, he's talked about moving out of state, which would null our custody. And we'd have to go back for, you know, to renegotiate it. Um, but I, I'm i the primary, and but he's, he still has partial. And that would make me the absolute primary if he moved out of state. And he's next month he's going to go visit a city that his bosses have been trying to open up a restaurant in. And so I'm really hoping, like... That happens.
0: And for anyone who's listening, if you need someone to uh, manage your bar in whatever city that's not in Jennifer's city, hire her husband.
1: Yeah, please take him. He's a great worker. He's a
0: great worker and he brings in a great crowd.
1: Yeah, yeah, real winners. Um, But I'm, you know, I pray, I pray that if he does discard our son, because I don't believe he sees our son as an individual. I believe he sees our son as an extension of himself.
0: Yeah. Just like the mother.
1: Yeah. Just, well, just I mean, like how his
0: mother probably, his mother probably looks at oh, his, his, his mother, extension. Yeah. Yes. His so mother looks like, at extension. Not like
1: mother, but yes, his mother. Yeah. Um, I, I hope that it happens when my son can't remember. So that way I don't have to. Ex-
0: yeah. So you know, be- before the age of five. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, because it's inevitable. My son will not serve him a purpose at some point, uh, just like I didn't serve him a purpose. Um, and Or he moves away. Like, I really, I, more than anything, I would love for him to leave the state. I don't want anything to do with him anymore. And just having to share my son with him is just ripping open that wound on a weekly basis.
0: Mm-hmm. So you, like if you leave state, your life can, you can get a, a you can uh, get a closure in a way.
1: Yeah. Or at least, I at it, least start but, new. Yeah. And I wouldn't have to deal with him as often. I mean, we, sure. Like holidays and summers, we'll have to figure something out. I'm not, I'm not a, the giant bitch he makes me out to be. Like I, the reason why I took him to court initially was to give him days with our son to hope that he would want to be involved. And now I, I, I regret it now. <laughs> Um, My
0: My sister and I have different uh, mothers and her Mm -hmm. mother left her and my dad when she was like one year old. She moved across the country. And even though my sister uh, had a horrible, um, uh, didn't feel great about it for a lot of her uh, teenage years, that like her mom abandoned her in the long run mentally um, because her mother is a terrible person. Um, mm-hmm. in the long run, if she, when look she now looks back and, and says to herself, thank goodness.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I want for my son. I think it's probably more detrimental that his dad is around and I'll be doing a lot of cleaning up, you know, I'm always going to be cleaning up this man's mess in some way or another. Um, but I mean, I want what's best for my son and, I want him to have a relationship with his dad and then on the other end, I don't. Um, I don't know why I keep thinking that he's going to be better when he continuously demonstrates to me that I never mattered. So why would my son?
0: Yeah. He's how old now?
1: Um, he's two and a half.
0: Oh no, no, no. Your ex-husband.
1: 33.
0: He's 33. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, I in t- let's say even in, in the next let's say when he's 40 he finally realizes i need to kind of change even if that mm-hmm. ever does happen that's 40 years of reprogramming to do right that's going to take at least 20 years to try and uh make a dent in, in reprogramming yourself at the, yeah. and i mean you're 60 at that point
1: yeah he's he's never going to change and i i i hope at some point that his girlfriend sees the red flags that I still see, like the house is a mess. Still the house smells weird. Um, he's still partying, drinking, working late. Like he's never going to change, but she, as I said, she also owns it.
0: And this is the part of the podcast where our phone dropped. So I apologize. Our phone dropped right at this moment. And we had to reconnect, so now I'm doing this little interlude or segue into the phone call being picked back up again. I apologize. It happens sometimes when we're doing a podcast uh, over the phone. So now without further ado, the the rest of the podcast. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Cool. Right. Here. <laughs> where were we? Um, I forgot where we were.
1: Um, I think it was just, I don't know, but, uh, I mean, do you, do you talk about how a lot of victims also feel like they're a narcissist as well?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I go,
1: I go through that.
0: Um, it's, uh, I mean, we, I, we've discussed it before on here, uh, briefly, and I guess there's a uh, I, I, there's a lot of uh, similarities between a codependent person mm-hmm. and a narcissist. Where a codependent person looks like they're a narcissist in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, but it's mm-hmm. really just them being their codependent selves. So how does it mm-hmm. uh, manifest in you?
1: Well, I just I, I looked at the things that create a narcissist or the things that the symptoms of narcissism, and I'm just like. I don't know. I just thought um, maybe I fit into some of those categories. And I talked to my therapist about it. And I was like, am I I a narcissist as well? And she was like, you wouldn't be here talking and asking if you are if you were one. Um, But she said that a lot of people, I mean, it's natural to have some of those tendencies. But she said in a lot of relationships, the codependent narcissist relationships that me and my ex had, you tend to kind of use their tactics as a way to survive.
0: Okay, that makes sense. So
1: you mem- you mirror their behavior so you can survive.
0: Yeah, yeah, mirroring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I when I when, when you know at therapy uh a while ago when I was uh when I first kind of started bringing this stuff up when we recognized that members of my family uh were narcissists, I was like I'm, the, I'm, a, why, well, I'm always talking about myself. I'm here. Right. I'm talking about myself. Whenever I go out and I'm complaining about what's going on, I'm only talking about myself. They're like, do you ask about others? I'm like, yes, but sometimes I only do that because I know it would be rude <laughs> if, I right, did, but if I didn't.
1: That, that, but that's the difference. That's, the, that's all the difference it is, is you are aware. Like, my ex will never truly ask me how I am and really care. He won't. Yeah. And like, for example, um, Memorial Day weekend is coming up and I'm going out of town. Me and my boyfriend and my son are going out of town. And my narcissist ex is going out of town as well. And he was like, don't forget that this is happening. You know, on Sunday he tells me this and I'm like, do you not listen to a word I say? Like, I... I know, I, that's, I told you, like, I'm going to have our son. We're going to be in a different city. I wanted you to be aware. Like, he just, he's only concerned about him. I've had to repeat myself multiple times and send multiple reminders. This is happening with our son on this day. This is what we're doing on this day. We're going out of town on these days. You know, it's, there's just no, none of it reflected back. There's no asking it. I mean, he doesn't even care, like, what our son did while I had him, you know?
0: Oh, he doesn't or even... He, he doesn't ask, like, what did you guys do? Did he... Yeah, what did, did you eat? Did, how many...
1: Like, this is literally a question parents will ask. Did he how play many, with any
0: other kids and things like poop that? Did he cook today?
1: I mean, that sounds really lame, but you gotta know. Yeah. Like, how many times did he did he potty? Did he have an accident? He doesn't ask about those things at all, where I'm just like, tell me everything my child did did he poop? Did he pee? Did he eat something weird? Does he like this? Does he like that? You know? And it's also, I just don't want to do the same thing several days in a row with him. Like if my ex takes him to a park or whatever, like I don't, you know, I want to mix it up. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's never, there's never any kind of that. I mean, if you're going to co-parent with a narcissist, just realize that it's parallel parenting all the way. There's no co-parenting. It's impossible.
0: So before we, um, finish up here, what is the, for everyone who's listening, who's in your situation, what are the biggest, uh, takeaways and things that, that you think you can, uh, teach everyone or what you've, what you've gone through? What's the biggest, uh, uh, tip for everyone?
1: Hmm, definitely listen to your gut. I, de- I ignored it uh, from the get go and I don't regret The fact that it led to my son, but it definitely still hurts. Um, If you're gonna get a lawyer and you're gonna get a divorce decree, make sure you put every single little thing you want in it. You know, it's don't, if you think, oh, that's so stupid, why should I have to worry about pictures on social media? You're gonna wanna worry about it. You're gonna wanna address it, address any and every little teeny tiny detail, because if you leave it vague, the narcissist will take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to spell it out word for word. Definitely, definitely get a therapist, a good one. Um, Utilize Reddit. I mean, as I said, Reddit saved me. I wouldn't have gone this far in my healing journey, which I feel like is such a small amount, but to others it seems like a lot. Had Reddit not existed. I had, it's nice to have that sounding board. There's also like a subreddit now for divorce with narcissists, which gives a lot of information on what to do legally. Um, but just, you know, keep an eye out and take care of yourself and just know that you're not the crazy one. (laughs) You're not.
0: And, uh, or would you ever consider going to something like codependence anonymous or any uh, like support group, like in your town like that?
1: Oh yeah, sure. If it existed where I live, absolutely. I, I've tried to find things and it's just not here mm-hmm. yet. Or if it is, I just, I'm, maybe I'm not looking in the right spot, but anything and everything that will help me heal from this to be a better person for my husband, not my husband, sorry, my boyfriend, Woo! Getting a little of myself.
2: <laughs> for my
1: boyfriend, for my son, for my family. they I mean, these people saw me at my worst and they're still here and they love me. And I want to give them the best me. And I want to give me the best me. Like, it's okay. Selfish is not a bad word. And its you, you need to take care of yourself. And I think a lot of victims don't because they're too busy taking care of everybody else. And that's also a part in why they are a victim is they just care more about others and you really need to care about yourself.
0: And actually one last thing I wanted to discuss with you before we sign off was mm-hmm. I, I, I go into a lot of uh, support forums uh, that aren't just Reddit. And uh, a lot of the time I read about women who specifically women, I sorry, everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause a lot of this, like, most of this stuff does happen to women compared to men, even though it, mm-hmm. it does happen to men. Um, yeah. but, uh, I read a lot where women, uh, after their relationship is over with someone and they do have a child, they immediately rush back into a relationship. And I, sometimes I hold my hands up, I'm reading these things and I have my hands up in my head going like, it's been a month, um, you know, child <laughs> first and everything. How long did it take for you to kind of be okay with going back into a relationship and what made you feel like it was okay?
1: Well, I, gosh, I think it was, we had been separated for four or five months before mm-hmm. I filed. Okay. Uh, and so when I filed is when I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to get on dating apps and just see what's out there. And plus there was, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm going to cough for a second. <clears throat> um, there was something exciting about dating apps because I'd never had to use them. They weren't a thing when
0: no, they were not, yeah. and I
1: were together. So that, I just wanted to see what it was like. Um, It's dumb. (laughs) It definitely, I mean, I'm not, if dating apps is what works for you, it's great, but it is definitely exhausting. It's a chore and it just seems really, just the swiping. I don't know. You just just get one look at a person and you can just say no. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, But I dated... I I wouldn't say dated. I, my goal was with my son is if I met somebody, I was going to give myself six months before I introduced them to my son. Okay. That was my rule for myself. Um, so I definitely had one night stands in between, um, my husband and the man I'm with now. Uh, I just felt like I had to get that out of the way Yeah, that not everybody needs to do that. I don't, I don't recommend it because it kind of hurts if you are an empath. Um, And then I started dating the man I'm with now, probably seven or eight months after, um, after we initially separated. Mm -hmm. A
0: good chunk of time.
1: Yeah, it was a good chunk of time. Um, It was, I am a serial monogamist. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So I, I, if I'm in a relationship, I'm in it to win it, you know? And that's, that's a funny thing. My mom had asked me, she's just like, why did you, why were you in this relationship so long with your ex? And I looked at her and I was like, because I didn't know any better mom. And she just looked, you know, utterly offended. How dare you? But Uh, it it, it
0: all came back full circle. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And now I know better. And I'm just fortunate that I've found somebody who is very healthy. And he calls me out when I'm not being healthy, when I'm saying things that are unhealthy or that can lead me down to a spiral of depression um, or a trigger. Like he just, he, he sees it and tells me, you know, you need to stop doing that. It's not helping you. Let's look at it this way instead. Oh, this, Very encouraging. This,
0: this guy sounds great.
1: Yeah, he, <laughs> he is. He cleans up after himself. That's a plus.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Basic rule. Yeah.
0: Basic rule. Does his own laundry?
1: Does check. his own laundry. Yes, check. And he loves my son, you know, as if it, he were his own. And that's all I could ask for, really. But it's it's nice to have somebody who's healthy. And to call me out when I'm not healthy and to want to work through it together,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, but he also understands, like, he sees the possibility for codependency and we approach that and figure out how to not be. So it's definitely I'm very fortunate in finding somebody as quickly as I did. I didn't think that that was going to happen. Um. But everybody heals on their own time, and with this, with in a relationship with a narcissist, it takes years, mm-hmm. years and years and years, and you need support.
0: All right. Well, thank you, and I think everyone listening today can learn a lot from you because it sounds like you are uh, getting on your way to thriving after uh, all, after being married to this narcissist for so long, and that <laughs> you're really working toward it. And you're and you're doing a lot of work. Uh, Mm -hmm. hard work, and you should be proud of yourself for doing all this work. Thanks. Um, And I just want to thank you for being on the show, uh, Jennifer, and sharing your your story with us.
1: Yeah, thank you. I hope that it helps somebody. You know, you guys aren't alone. Just take care of yourself.
0: Well, thank you, and uh, I hope you have a great day. And for everyone listening, uh, thanks for listening to the How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse podcast. I am Chad the Impaler. Thanks for listening. And that was our conversation with Jennifer. I thought it was a great conversation. I learned a lot about co-parenting and um, the ins and outs of what you have to do with a lawyer uh, in the whole entire process. So I just want to thank Jennifer for being on our show and uh, for all those uh, Narcissist Abuse Survivors out there. If you also want to be on our show, get, and get a hold of me. Did I say kind of get a hold of me? Get a hold of me. Uh You can get a hold of me through NarcissistApocalypse.com. My email is on there. That's easy to remember. And as well, um, our book is going to be out soon, How to Survive the Narcissist Apocalypse. Our Kickstarter will be out soon. We're still trying to grow our email list. So also, if you want to uh, get a free coloring book that I drew, it's a terrible drawings, but it's a coloring book of infamous narcissist uh, some of it might be a little controversial for people, so I apologize uh, in, on, on, uh, for that. Um, but it's still kind of my sense of humor, so in a way I, I don't want to apologize, but I still do because it does offend some people. I, so anyway, uh, I'm messed up. <laughs> um, uh, you can download that at chadtheimpaler.com. You'll sign up to our email list and will send that out to you. Also, uh, thank you for the people that have given us five-star ratings and nice reviews on iTunes, but we still need more. We're actually going up the charts already. Uh, people are enjoying our podcast and things that we're uh, learning while we're going along. I'm learning. Uh, I'm, I have some cathartic experiences talking about my own experiences here. Uh, did that even make sense, what I just said? I'm kind of rambling. But still, uh, give us some five-star ratings on Spotify. Nice reviews on iTunes. Uh, Stitcher. And, uh, Google play Google podcasts. And that's, uh, our show for this week. So not this week. Cause we're going to try and do two shows a week. That's our goal. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening to the how to survive the narcissist apocalypse podcast. I'm Chad, the impaler. Have a good day. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. This is an emergency broadcast transmission. This is not a test. Please remain calm.